preaching? What are you talking about? That was awesome. Um, yeah, so good to see everybody this morning. I think I have met everybody uh, in here. We all know each other at this point, but uh, but if you haven't met me online, my name is uh, Casey, one of the one of the pastors here, and I want to want to give a big shout out to some people that have been doing some work um, uh, around here and and just just like working their tails off on different things that you may not even see. We saw we got a new monitor in the uh, in the lobby that we're going to be uh, carrying the live stream for anybody that's out there and that kind of thing, serving, and they could see kind of what's going on in here and what's going on if they can't hear it in here. And uh, we've got all kinds of things going on. We're actually starting this week. We got uh, some upgrades to some of our software, and we're literally able now to have a YouTube channel. Which I know some people are going, what's the big deal? It's not number. I didn't even know this. YouTube is the number two uh, search engine on all the interwebs, man. And so we're going to use that. To, we have a lot, a lot of people say, hey, I don't really do Facebook much. and But I uh, wish we had a YouTube channel. Like one time, Judy and I were with her boss. Uh, we were actually, uh, uh, you know, I think it was... Uh, July 4th weekend, we were on uh, doing something uh, at the lake with them, and they wanted to watch our service. The first thing they did, they went to YouTube, like, where is it? And I thought, huh, that's interesting. So uh, now we're actually testing that out this week and actually, actually starting to start doing the, the YouTube stuff. So welcome to YouTube Online, Facebook Live. We've got, uh, we got you uh, in mind, and we are hoping this is a blessing to you as well, man. That music today, I continue to say, we have the best worship team in the country. Amen, man. That was amazing, man. Amazing. I'm like, like, seriously, I'm going, let's just keep doing this. Let's just keep doing this, man. They don't need to hear me, right? But, uh, hey, thank you again. I think you mentioned it earlier. Thank you for the prayers for my daughter Morgan. I, it's a, if I may be so selfish, I appreciate very much. They live literally between Fort Myers and Naples. We live in a town called Astero, and when we saw the saw the pictures on on TV about Naples being completely underwater, Fort Myers being underwater, uh, I was like, they have no chance. And uh, kid you not, we got pictures a couple of days ago saying that they had no, almost virtually no damage at all to their home. They still don't have power yet, but they they uh, they 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 are uh, working the so. Be praying for them. They're traveling back from Tallahassee where they evacuated to where uh, my, my son-in-law's family is. And they're heading down there today. But some parts of the interstate are still underwater, we understand. So there's going to be a long, long, long drive just to get back to their home. And so we're uh, continuing to pray for the Fort Myers, southwest Florida area that has been devastated. Looked at even some places that we used to go that uh, I'm like, that doesn't look like, that looks like a bomb went off, man. It's it's. Pretty wild, but uh, there's a lot of things going on. So pray for also Morgan and Brandon's church, Ocean Church in Estero. They have a campus in Cape Coral as well, but uh, we haven't heard anything about the damage in Cape Coral. But be praying for the folks there as they start. Uh, they don't have services today. I understand they have, they're not doing any of that, even though they didn't have a lot of damage at their uh, Estero campus, but they are doing a lot of outreach and a lot of helping and a lot of supplies giving and giving out waters and you name it. Um, so uh, continue to lift them up in prayer and uh, and you know and give as you possibly can to those efforts that are going on down there. It is it is truly devastating. We we went to a restaurant um, down there. It's right on the water, just celebrating. You know, being with our being with the family and that kind of thing too. We got a picture of it with a boat through it. Um, it's just just wild stuff. So so a lot of things going on, a lot of things happening, but uh, God is good anyway, right? 
And even through all these trials and struggles, personal struggles, health struggles, financial struggles, relational struggles, um, man, it could be anything, man. Like God still does his thing. And, uh, man, I want to give a shout-out to it. didn't uh, in the first service, and I should have. But Naomi, is her, her birthday today, 65. She said, and I can say that because you shouted out to everybody. Like, you ain't supposed to tell somebody's name. Hey, she did it first, right? And so uh, her birthday wish, uh, her and Steve, she said, I wanted to go to both services. Uh, like, well, how sweet is that? That's very, very cool. So, um, But, yeah, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. We are... Uh, in this series, you know, you talk about the uh, the the hot ones. Everybody ever seen the hot ones on on well YouTube? Uh, they've got a lot of those. But the hot ones are this rage that people like, like celebrities are eating hot wings, and they get hotter and hotter and hotter as they go, and they answer questions. And many times by the end, they're just they're they can't do nothing. They're just snotting and spitting and everything like that. And they're like, I'm done. I'm out, and that kind of thing too. So that's kind of what the whole premise of that is. That we're doing this, but it's called Rivals, and we're doing it for during this Rivals uh, series, and we're going through the book of James, and I love the book of James, and and really the reality of the crux of the book of James is what you're going to see is that there is a rivalry between me and God. There's a rivalry between you and God, your natural self, and and God's supernatural desire for your life. And a lot of people say, oh, no, I don't have a rivalry with God. Yeah, you do. In fact, it's scriptural saying uh, that what comes natural, our, our natural selves, our, 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 even though we've given up, our, our old is gone and the new has come, there is going to continue to be this old nature and new nature that God's putting in us, a battle there, right? Now, I'm not saying that we have to submit to the battle, nor am I saying you submit to what's natural. What I'm encouraging us to do is to submit to God's supernatural desire for our lives. This is the hard part. This is why Christianity, people are like, oh, if I, if I join, if I, if I uh, become a Christian and get involved in the church, all my problems are going to go away. Uh, no, not really. You're just going to deal with those problems a little differently. They're going to be just different. It's going to have a, have a different, uh, like you're going to have hope where before there is no hope. When you go through things and go through like struggles, trials, troubles, tribulations in life, which is what a lot of the book of James is about, you're going to deal with things. If you deal with things without having any kind of hope, then, then you're going you're gonna to have a different perspective. It's going to be a lot more depressing to have zero hope versus to having a lot of hope. Jesus rose from the dead, and we believe that, right? And it's incredible to be able to go through lives. Uh, by the way, if you're a Christian or if you're a non-Christian, are you going to have problems in your life? Yeah, either way, right? So we, I, what I think is great is that we get to go through life and have hope that, that unbelievers don't have. I've talked to, in fact, a matter of fact, a very good friend of mine recently who has left the faith, which is the weirdest thing in the world, because I'm going, why would you ever leave something so great, right? But you get involved in the sympathies of people. You get, get to kind of hanging around people that are, are falling away from God. And you, you start sympathizing a lot of times versus helping people to, to overcome some of those things. And you get sucked in sometimes. But that's one of the things he told me. He goes, the hardest part about this is that I really don't have any hope. And I think, man, wow. Like, it's, it's true. Jesus actually rose from the dead, and we're supposed to reach the lost, amen? That's our job. 
That's the thing that we have been called to do. That's the thing that we have been, that God has said, you are going to do this. 2022 is something you're going to do. And when we reach the loss, we can't just say, okay, cool. <clears throat> you're part of our church now. That's great. That's awesome. We're going to go on to the next one. No, we've got to help them understand what they're getting into. Because this isn't just a, okay, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an unbeliever, and now I'm going to identify as a Christian. It has nothing to do necessarily with identity. Well, although it does, we are identified in Jesus Christ himself other than anything else. But it, it really has more to do with this heart that we've got to have for Jesus. And I'm going to go into a lot of this, 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 this like today. And if you hear anything else, or if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. This is the crux, and this is the, the, the message I want you to understand. That if you love Jesus, you will do what he says. That requires, if he says, work on this, bring the work to, uh, of the kingdom to my people. Like You will do it if you love Jesus. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said it. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. I don't want to give too much away, nor do I want to go down a rabbit trail right now. I want to get into the introducing in the book of James, kind of setting some things up because it's beautiful. We've been talking about hearing, be hearers of the word. Uh, don't just be hearers of the word, also be doers of the word. This is, this is kind of the, the work we're talking about, right? Uh, maturity and immaturity, uh, uh, mercy and judgment, which... Last week I said that's probably one of the hardest things to do uh, as a Christian. This week I'm telling you what we're going to talk about is even, is even harder. Because, it, because some people tend to, we're talking about faith versus works. Some people have really, really great faith. It seems like they do. They, they have this natural ability to just, just be prostrate before the Lord, right? On their face, reading the scriptures, singing psalms and hymns of praise regardless of the circumstances in their life. Some people have uh, this other side of faith and works where they just, okay, I'm a Christian now and I got to go do stuff, right? Because that's what a Christian's supposed to do. So I got to go be charitable and I've got to go serve and I've got to go to this. So I guess I gotta, I'm a Christian, I got to do these things, right? And, and quite frankly, both of those can be wrong in the eyes of God. Because here's what Scripture says is that the faith that you have will spur on the works that you have. And you'll see this all over in Scripture. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Uh, he didn't say, if you love me, you'll have some cool feelings about me. It's a big difference, right? So faith versus works, people will tend to pick one over the other. They'll say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a really, really strong prayer, and I'm a really, really strong worshiper, but I'm not going to do stuff. And some people are like, well, i got to do the Christian stuff, but then they'll forget that they need to be deep in faith with the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about faith like I believe stuff. I'm talking about faith that, that has this, this pistuo faith, which is I will put my life on this Jesus and out of that will flow the works he wants me to do. Ultimately, what we're going to find out is that what we're struggling with, this rivalry, is me against God. It's me versus God. It's my desires, my nature, my bent, my wiring versus God's supernatural 
desire for me. You hear this all the time, even Christians say, well, it's only natural to, but, but, but and once you start hearing that, you've got to, you got to help understand. This is why reading, being in the scriptures is so powerful, but just studying the scriptures is so detrimental. Uh, like, if we don't actually do what the scriptures say, man, and believe the way the scriptures believe according to God, well, we're going to be in trouble right off the bat because it sounds right. Like, a lot of times, well, yeah, it is natural. Yeah, but everything Jesus commands in scripture, it goes against our nature. It goes against what comes naturally. Things weird like pray for your enemies. Who the heck does that, right? That's ridiculous. Who does that? We do. Why? Because Jesus said. Why? Because we love him. It's not just some uh, obligation that we have. Oh, I guess I better pray for my enemies, right? No, it's like, like no, seriously, we gotta, we got to be thinking through these things. Like, like, you've heard it said, don't murder. But I'm telling you, if you've got hatred in your heart for somebody, you're guilty of that. This is the thing Jesus said. Now, our nature is to, to, to hold grudges. Our nature is to, to hey, how you? that person wronged me, man. I'm going to hang on to that, right? And, and quite frankly, it gives us some energy when we wake up. Woo, I still hate. Woo, I still have grudges. Woo, I still held this over this person. And Jesus is like, forgive or you will not be forgiven. This is wild, amazing stuff. Things like, you've heard it said, this is his first public ministry sermon, Sermon on the Mount. It's incredible. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. And the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, and the teachers of the law were like, yeah, I ain't cheating on my wife. And if I do, I'm just going to go get a quick divorce so I can go marry a, you know, a, a, another model. Trade her in. Right? That's how they did it. And Jesus is like, you've heard it committed adultery, but I say if you have lust in your heart, it's a matter of the heart. Deuteronomy 6.4, man, when Jesus, where God says to his people in the Old Testament to love the Lord your God with everything you have, with all your heart, all your soul. Oh, yes, the John 3.16 of the Old Testament is what I like to call it. But he, what he does, he tells people, this is what you're going to do. These are the works you're going to do. And then he, then he follows it up and says, these things must be in your heart. And then he says, Write them on the doorpost. Then he says, teach them to your children. Then he says, do this. But they first got to be in our heart. And this, this faith versus works, it goes hand in hand. There, you'll see this powerful balance of, of God when he gives us these commands. He goes, this heart that loves me will do what I say. And, I, and, and, and in fact, in, in 2 Timothy 4, Paul writes to this young pastor named Timothy. He says to do the work of an evangelist, right? And we've got this new E3 coming up. I'm excited about that. Next week, gosh, it's hard to believe. Next Wednesday night, it's going to be neat. But he also writes to a church in Ephesus. And, and, and what's interesting about Ephesians 4 is that he will give these wirings and these giftings. Uh, you know, he, Jesus personally gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds, some to be teachers. And not that we don't have all of those in us if Jesus is in us, but but some of us just have strengths in some of those things, right? And yet, he says, if you do those in the church correctly and submit to one another in love and, and see your gifts as part of the rest of the church and something that can help and serve the church, man, your, your unity and your maturity in the church 
bound by love will grow exponentially. It's awesome. But here's the reason for God giving us those giftings. For the training of the saints in the... Say it. Say it online. Work of ministry. Not giving you these things so that you feel a certain way. Not giving you these things so that you can articulate yourself in an argument against our faith. It's, it's, it literally says these things are given so that we can train the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Matthew 9, Jesus in the, you know, as he's in his ministry and he's, and he's giving people. By the way, Jesus worked his tail off and he rested his tail off when he needed to. And so this challenge to do work isn't a challenge like, hey, if you have been working, um, you need to do a little harder. It's like you might need to rest. Some of us need to quit resting. Some of us need to get up off the couch and go, man, i got to do what God said for me to do. And this is just a challenge. Hey, I struggle with this too. There are times when I just go, man, I don't know. But here's what Jesus said when he saw the crowds. He felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the, the converts, right? The Christians, the churchgoers. The Baptists, who I'm starting to get, am I, am I starting to poke a little bit? Am I getting a little sore spot there, right? The Episcopalians, right? The Methodists, the Presbyterians, the workers. The workers are few. It's not people that are identifying themselves as a demographic part of the Christian, whatever. He said, the workers are few. Therefore, verse 38, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for the harvest. See, in the, the greatest work that we can do, like I said before, if you remember nothing else from what I say today, the greatest work we can do is be obedient to Jesus, not be out of some strict, weird uh, obligation that, okay, I got to do what Jesus said, okay, I can't, can't, uh, can't, uh, you know, murder, and I can't do this, and I guess can't steal, I guess can't do this, and that kind of thing. Uh, I can't do that because Jesus won't let me do that. It's like, man, I love Jesus. I just love him. And then I want to do what he says because I love him. And this guy comes in the form of a man a couple of thousand years ago, shows us, fulfills hundreds of prophecies, rises from the dead, like, like dies for my sins. Like, it's, are you kidding me? Like, how could I not love him? But some people just don't. In fact, Jesus says that narrow is the path that leads to salvation. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. And few will find that narrow road. Like in his first public sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he even says things like, 
there's going to be on that day when he's talking about when, when he comes and re- makes everything new, right? And, and at the end of days, he goes, on that day, he goes, there will be people that will come to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we, didn't we prophecy in your name and cast out demons in your name and go to church in your name and study the Bible in your name and, 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 and do, do, uh, do all kinds of uh, serving in the church? And didn't we go all across the world on mission trips? Man, we even went to Africa, right? There were people that, 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 that never even saw another person, and we infiltrated their camps, and didn't we do all those things in your name? Jesus says, I don't even know you. Away from me, you evildoers. There's something to this, this love and obedience. When we talk about the Great Commission, there's so many times where people will say things, like with the Great Commission, for example, they'll say, oh yes, we should We should go make converts, and that's not what Jesus said at all. He said to to make disciples of every nation, and step number one, baptize them. Step number two, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I'm with you. And this is why I say many times I think this is the part where people are so misunderstanding of Jesus' commands. Because ultimately what he says, and in that he says to teach them to be obedient, but in John 14, you will hear him say over and over and over, if you love me, you'll obey me. It's even more than obedience. It's if you love me, you will cherish, guard, protect, like love my commands. It's not even just obedience out of obedience sake. He goes, you will love them. It's like, oh, God, you said I, it's not that I have to pray for my enemies. I get to. It's, a, it's, a, it's like I don't have to give. I get to. I don't have to fast. I get to. I don't have to be, uh, be, uh, be bringing kingdom. I, I get to. It's an honor. Think about how. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is saying to you and to me, hey, I love you so much, and I want you to be a part of what I've got, what I'm a part of, and if you love me, you will. Even Jesus says in John 14, if you don't love me, you won't do what I say. And how many people, how many Christians do you say, man, they seem like they they know their stuff. They seem like they're saying the right stuff. They seem to know the scriptures. They seem to know this, and they seem to know that, and they seem to know exactly what to say, and it seems like, wow. And I'm going to say something. Guys, can we just, can I, you y'all mind if I double down for a little bit? Do, do, do you mind if I double down the online folks? I can't hear you, but I'm here. I'm assuming you're saying, no, go ahead. Here's the deal. This is one of the hardest things I'll ever say, and I say it about every six months because it, it frightens me for my people. I love you guys. Like, you're my flock, right? And, and it scares me sometimes to think that there are people that are not going to go to heaven simply because they're misunderstanding what God has said. See, here's the thing. I'm not against Bible study. I'm not against memorizing I'm not against mission trips. I'm not against attending Sunday services. I'm not against small groups. I'm not against, um, you know, uh, Bible quizzes. I'm not against watching The Chosen. I'm not against any of those things. But, but, 
those things can never be a substitute for what we're like our love for Jesus. And I like to do all those things, and I do all those things, but the motivation which with, with which I pursue doing those things is out of a love of Jesus, not an obligatory thing. See, if we're doing that out of obligation, if we're, if we're studying the Bible, and we may memorize the entire Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. Anybody able, been able to do that, by the way? Not me. I was raising my hand as an example. I haven't done it either. But you can do that, right? You may work the rest of your life doing that. And it sounds very admirable. People are like, wow, you're really, really a strong Christian, aren't you? And you'd be like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I do know the whole Bible backwards and forward. What do you want to know? You don't even have to look it up online, I can tell you. And if you never actually do what Jesus has called you to do, because if you love me, you will, then it's all for naught. I'm going to even say, so can, can I push a little bit deeper? You guys cool with that for a second? I need to hear, yes, I, I got to get, okay, okay, just need to make sure, man, make sure we're still awake. If we, we might get some walkouts after what I'm about to say next. Might get some shutoffs on the, on the YouTubes. If we do all these things, and we memorize the scriptures better than anybody in the entire world, and we even go on mission trips, we even serve in the church, we even have perfect attendance, we have all these kind of things. We might be, be becoming more like Satan than we are Jesus. Satan knows the word in every language. You might, you, might, you might memorize it in English. He knows it in every language. Probably watched it being written down. Has been able to, since the beginning of creation, twist it. Right? You understand this, right? Like, he knows it better than you and I, as far as memorizing go. Like, he believes Jesus is the Son of God. He believes that Jesus fulfilled hundreds of prophecies. He believes Jesus' hands and feet were pierced and he was nailed to a cross. He believes that by his shed blood and his shed blood only, you and I can be saved. Satan believes Jesus rose from the dead. Satan believes Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father right now and is inviting you and me to be a part of that. He knows. He believes that. And there's a lot of people that align themselves with Jesus, with, uh, align themselves with Satan and not Jesus because they believe those things too, but they don't actually do what he says. This is a scary thing. This is why I think Jesus is like, man, few people are going to find it. And here's the thing. I want you to love Jesus first. But that's the decision you've got to make. It's not an emotion. It's like I decide to love Jesus and I do what he says as, as a result. Amen? Like there's got to be a difference between us and Satan. There's a lot of people that are completely deceived because they're becoming more like him than they are Jesus. I'm going, guys, it's got to be a matter of love and a matter of obedience after that. This is the hardest thing that it takes to be a Christian because there's a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians that are going around saying, man, you're doing the right thing, you're doing the right thing, you're doing the right thing, and we're not, according to the word. And my fear is, my concern is, my Skipping of the heart is that people are going to say, I love Jesus, but they actually don't do what he says. And Jesus says, if you don't love me, you won't. And how can somebody love Jesus? How can somebody not love Jesus and still get into heaven? I don't get that. This is why I think Jesus is going, few will find it. May it not be for us. Amen.
James 2, 14 to 16. What good is it, my brothers? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat well, I'll pray for you. I'm talking about our brothers and sisters in the church here. But you won't give them what the body needs? What good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith from my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Check this out. The demons also believe. See, I think I was just acting crazy a second ago, but I'm just going by what the word says, right? And they shudder. And they shudder. Foolish man. Are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham, my father, justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works, faith was perfected. So the scripture was was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and was credited to him for righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by a different route? I said root in the first service, and everybody's like, I don't think so. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, listen, so also faith without works is dead. And all God's people said, amen. This is hard to understand, hard to hard to. Hard to hear sometimes. But I'd rather say what God says in his word and help people understand that versus, hey, let's do the Christian thing. and Let's get this thing rolling and, and have this wrong motivation that's not based in the love of Jesus but based out of obligation or Christian duty or demographic or whatever. Like, let's, just, let's, let's take that back as a church body. Let's do the things Jesus has called us to do, which is always bring kingdom, always seek first his kingdom, always look for his kingdom opportunities. And let the chips fall where they may. Because faith without works is dead. And work without faith without faith is dead. They go hand in hand. One spurs the other. One encourages the other. And there can be no genuine faith without kingdom work. That's the thing we've got to understand. It will, that faith, that pastoral, that love will spur on that obedience. Work with faith brings kingdom. And ultimately, faith and works must go together. Amen. So I'm going to. As we get led in worship again, man, I will finish out today. And I just want to give a quick challenge to us. This may seem like it's not that big of a challenge for some, but once you sit down and go, wow, I want you to do something. I want you to sit with the Lord this week. And I want you to take a piece of paper, and, and, I, and I mean this, a number two pencil. If you get a pen, that's fine. But I'm talking about old school handwriting, 
know, we've been talking about handwriting the book of James and stuff. This is a lot easier this week. In your own handwriting, after you have prayed to the Lord, write down three things that God is telling you to get to work on that brings kingdom. What are three things? Three things? Okay, five. You want to make it 12? Three things. And see, I want you to, first off, decide that you love Jesus more than anything. That's the hard part, man, because I sure do love my wife, Judy, man. I had to wrestle with the fact that Judy loves Jesus more than me. I thought I was your number one. Nope. And I got to love Jesus more than her. But as she loves Jesus and I love Jesus, we love each other a whole lot more. So we got the same love. Amen. And I want you to decide now to love him. Actually love him. Love's not an emotion. Emotions come from love. Love's not a feeling that you get that comes on you and I'm waiting for that right feeling and, and I'm just, you know, don't see any sparks and nothing like that. Make the sparks. Decide to love Jesus. See what happens. Because there's something he's wanting you to do. There's something he's asking you to do in either our obligation or our study or something's blocking us. And it may be good stuff. It might be sinister stuff. I don't know. It's between you and God. But make that decision to love him first and give your life to him. For some, it might be, I've got to accept Jesus for the first time. I never have. For some, I'm going to take a step of baptism. I never have. Or I did when I was two. And I didn't understand what was going on. For some, it's like i got to step into some kingdom work that I've been resisting. I know what God wants me to do. I just don't want to do it. If you love him, do it. Father, we love you. And we are thankful, very, very, very thankful for not only who you are, but what you have done. We recognize that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We recognize that you're the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. The one that every knee will bow. We, Man, we see it, we know it. May it wreck us completely who you are. May our natural selves, man, subside in submission to your supernatural desire for our life. Guide us, Lord. Show us, Lord, what it means to not just be someone of great faith and not just be someone of great works, but be someone who you have created to be of great faith and great works that go hand in hand. One cannot be separated from the other. God, we, we're honored that you consider us and love us enough to do what you have called us to do to love you enough to do your work. We love you. We trust you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, 
with some enthusiasm. Everybody in here said, and somebody online on YouTube and Facebook, amen.